0: The Favorites Podcast is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. I love betting with FanDuel because they've got great odds and markets for MLB, PGA Tour, tennis, NFL futures, and more. Plus, their app is safe, easy to use, and when I win, I get paid out fast. If you're new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now and sign up with promo code FAVORITES so they know I sent you. You must be 21 and over and present in select states only. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona. Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit Fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. one 877 stop in Louisiana, 1-877-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY-467-369 in New York. Tennessee Red Line is 1-800-889-9789, one 522 4700 in Wyoming, or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. Welcome to the Favorites, the podcast from the Volume Podcast Network. I am Chad Millman, Chief Content Officer of the Action Network. I am joined, as I am every show, by my co-host, my BFF, my companion, my compadre, professional better, Simon Hunter. <laughs> Hello.
1: Hello, Chad. Dog days of summer, brother. Just count the days till football starts.
0: Well, listen, you're in a massive, avid rabid Philadelphia Eagles fan. We've had our upcoming guest on the show before. Let's keep it clean. Let's keep it nice because we're going to we're going to bring in our friend Tiki Barber, of course, New York Giants football legend, host of Tiki and Tierney on WFAN in the afternoons. Also, you can see him on Real Housewives of New Jersey as an all-star softball player. We are now we are now in business together because Tiki works with the folks at Knights of Degen, the new NFT, who we have a uh, sponsorship and subscription partnership with. Yep. Uh, Tiki,
2: welcome on, man. Good to see I- you. i glad to be back with you guys. Simon, are you telling me that you are not comfortable betting the over with the A's last night? Because I suggested that to my listeners yesterday and it kind of panned out. And as Cameron Mabin said, who I'm actually starting to like as a broadcaster, he said, you try to sneak the cheese, the high cheese by the rat (laughs) takes more than that.
0: (laughs) It was before you started doing a show. Did you care about baseball? Did you care about the NBA? Have you found yourself needing to become a fan of sports you didn't care about in order to fill many hours of talk radio a day?
2: My issue was I didn't grow up a baseball fan. At least, not a fan of the teams in the in the city that I currently reside. I grew up as an Atlanta Braves fan only because TBS had the Braves on everywhere and all the time. So in Southwest Virginia, I watched the Braves, and Dale Murphy and Glenn Hubbard and all those guys uh, in the in those in those early late nineties uh, early and late nineties days. That's why I was a fan of. So when I came to New York, I didn't really care about the Yankees or the Mets, but ever since I started. Tiki and Tierney on the national level with my co-host, Brandon Tierney, who's an enormous Yankees fan. He's kind of slowly taught me the vernacular of baseball. So I've learned to talk the talk, so to speak, and become interested in it. So, yeah, I've always been a basketball fan, never had really a team. You can just kind of, as you know, dive into basketball mid first, second, third quarter. Don't really give a shit what's happening. And by the time you
0: get to the end, it gets exciting. (laughs) Well, it's also it's a high school drama, everything about and like right now, all the
2: time, (laughs) you know,
0: between the Knicks and what they did on draft night that was so convoluted and confusing. And now the Nets between Kyrie opt in, not opt in, finally opting in. Is KD going to stick around? You got enough fodder to last until football starts.
2: No, without a doubt. Look, the, the, the Knicks are just kicking it down the road, kicking the can down the road. We got time. Our fans are patient. They've already proven it for the last two decades. It's all good. You got another it's couple true. of years.
0: <laughs> it's true. Simon, do you have any memories you want to share with Tiki about uh, Eagles fandom? Because I know how much he's broken your heart over the years.
1: No, I mean, me and Tiki are good, man. I, I would say for my two favorite players, Tiki was number two and number one was Lawrence Taylor. And it was just, yeah. I, I just, my earliest memories I remember watching him. I don't know if he picked up either a running back or wide receiver, but it looked like, like one of those like orcs, like picking up a little human and just slamming him into the <laughs> earth. It was just like, who is this man? Yes. And then uh Waterboy came out, say years later, and there he was again. And I was just like, okay, so this guy is a freak on the field and he's hilarious off the field. I was all in on Lawrence Taylor. But Tiki, it, we had this era where when he came in, it was like him and Westbrook, and there was a couple other running backs that, again, not saying you guys were undersized, but you were different. Yep. You, you could catch the ball. You could Deuce. run with it. Yeah, you could do punt return. I mean, all of it, I loved it. Like, that was just a really special era for me. And that was when the Eagles were, you know, we couldn't get over the hump. We just didn't win Super Bowls. We kept winning the division. And then here come the Giants. They would just always either get in the wild card and they would go further than us. So, you know, it was a weird time where it was like, I I didn't hate Tiki because I loved the way he played so much. But, man, I hate Eli. Like, I mm. really hated Eli. But then Eli did what we all wanted. He, he took down Tom Brady. So I eventually loved Eli, like the old shucks Eli kind of <laughs> vibe, you know. So it's it's just funny it all. It comes full circle where I don't really have ill will towards the Giants. But, like, the Cowboys, I hate the Cowboys more than you could ever believe. I think it's just, you know, where I'm at in New Jersey, I have a lot of friends who are Giants fans. It's, it's just part of life. Like, we, we argue. We fight about it. But in the end, we really don't care. Where I have Dallas friends who I don't talk to the whole week. Like Dallas week, we don't talk. So it is funny how that's changed where I just think maybe it's a New Jersey thing. There's just so much of us together, of Giants fans, these Eagles fans. It's not as bad as it used to be.
2: Chad and Simon, we let, gave you the game plan on how to beat the New England Patriots. because They've only lost three Super Bowls and they've been to <laughs> NFC East teams. Yeah. The New York Giants twice and the Philadelphia Eagles, as we all know. But Chad, you asked the wrong question. Simon. <laughs> Loves this barber, he hates the other barber. That's right. That's right. Friday, who went 92 going like this The Donovan McNath to send him home? Go home, Eagles closing it's, down the vet.
1: I was going say my last memory at the vet was that a pick, a pick six to end our hopes and dreams of going to a super bowl. <laughs> there it is. So you asked the wrong question, Chad. I did,
0: I totally did. I, I completely forgot about that. Uh, what do you think of um? This offseason, there's been a lot of news, especially with the Bucks. Last time you, you were on the show, and I want you to remind people, you yeah. told this great story about Bruce Arians and Bruce Arians' relationship to you and your family. Remind people of that story. Yeah, and then so, what do you think of sort of the transition? So Bruce is the
2: man. He's always been the coolest man in the room. And that goes all the way back to college at Virginia Tech, where Bruce and my father... Uh, who I've rekindled my relationship with about eight years ago when my fifth girl, my fifth child, but she's a daughter, was born. And my second wife reached out to him. And uh, it happened to be not too soon after I had done some interviews with Bruce Arians when he was with the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so Bruce and I kind of reconnected. And it's it reminded me to reach out to my mom and ask her about, you know, Dad and Bruce known each other for a long time, and they were roommates at Virginia Tech. In fact, the first black-white athlete athletic roommates at Virginia Tech in the in the late '60s and the early '70s, and they were inseparable. They called themselves Salt and Pepper. Uh, Bruce was a quarterback. My dad was a running back. They both had, you know, some records for some times down there, and um, uh, they've been my babysitters. You know, they were our babysitters when we were babies. So I've known Bruce literally from the time I was born. Until now. And so um, when I saw the news come down that he was retiring uh, and it was late, you know, it wasn't like right after the season. <laughs> this was this was late. I, I texted him and he called me back right away. And I said, well played, very well played. And he knew exactly what I meant. Right. He wanted to go out on his own terms. Um, despite all the nonsense that you heard about his relationship with Tom Brady, that, that just wasn't the case. Uh, he and Tom are, are great. Uh, he wanted to, in some ways, ensure that Todd Bowles was going to be the next head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it worked out perfectly because Todd, I think, is the right man for the job. Byron Lefwich is a, is a really good and up-and-coming coordinator. And he got some looks, particularly with the Jacksonville Jaguars, but he's he's still not quite ready. right? He's still a little unseasoned. Uh, I think it's a perfect situation down there in Tampa. And Bruce gets to sip on his... His brown liquids, uh, wear his kangle as opposed to the Nike sponsor or the uh, NFL sponsored Nike caps, uh, and chill and be, and be around as a, a paid executive <laughs> of the Buccaneers uh, for as long as he wants to. Um, that dude's living the life, man. He got a late start, won two coaches of the year, and won a Super Bowl. And I'm biased, obviously, because I, again, literally have known him since the day I was born. He's, he turned himself into a Hall of Fame coach in a very short amount of time being a head coach. Um, he's the man love that dude.
0: How do you think that happens? Why is it that a guy like Bruce Arians, who everyone acknowledged was a brilliant offensive coordinator and led so many teams to so much success. And honestly, if not for that shot with the Colts when the head coach gets cancer and Bruce yeah, Arians and, comes in and takes over yeah. Chuck Pagano gets cancer Arians comes over and then he gets a shot with the Cardinals. Um, why does that happen? And then there's guys, yeah. you know, if you shake Sean McVay's hand, you're getting a job. Yeah. But well, Bruce you Arians, know why? I'll tell you why. For 30 you, years. Chad, you watch golf. I do. You watch You watch golf. You
2: know, you see these guys on tour and they have these homogenized swing. Huh, that's the same swing. Who is that? That's that's whoever. Who is that? That's that's whoever. You can't tell anybody except for Jim Furyk by their swing. Bruce Arians, if you've had any interactions with him at all, And I'm not even talking about a personal interaction. I'm talking about just watching him on television is not your average cup of tea, right? He is going to tell you exactly what he thinks. He does not give a you know what and will tell you how he feels. And let's be honest, that doesn't fit into the mold of what a NFL head coach is supposed to be like. And so he never got a chance. He never even got the interviews when he was crafting champions out of Peyton Manning, out of Andrew Luck, out of Carson Palmer, or at least some sort of not really uh, NFL champions, but champion level quarterbacks. He crafted all of these these great quarterbacks, but he never got a chance because he was so unconventional until he got a chance in an unconventional way. When Chuck Pagano goes down against uh, with, the, with the sickness, with the with his cancer and Bruce. is thrust into the head coaching role. And obviously they had a fantastic year that year and he wins coach of the year as an interim head coach. That just never happens. He then gets an opportunity to go out to Arizona and he wins another coach of the year and takes them almost to a championship out there. And so you started to see how good of a, of a coach he was, which everybody who knows the game knew already. Um, And once he was in Arizona, he kind of just could write his own ticket. Uh, got really close, almost had a chance to win a championship, decided it was time to hang it up after a little bit of a health scare. Not a not a serious one, but a little of a health scare. He hung it up, went to the booth in CBS. But you know, you can't cuss in the booth on CBS. <laughs> and so it just kind of was kind of out of his element and he wanted to get back in the game. And the opportunity in Tampa presented to presented itself and he ran with it. And we all know what happened after that. Gets Tom Brady, wins the Super Bowl and it was just he was the man.
1: Well, I'm so, interested. I'm ahead. interested if he comes back, Bruce, because I do think. No, he's not coming back. He's done now. Yeah, that, he's that's shocking great. because I do think he's such a good coach, and I know you he didn't is. say there was anything to that whole Brady drama, but. No, I, I think I, I think age is catching up to him.
2: I think he's he's that's he's, true. he's he's coasted a really long time. Like we forget it now. I mean, he started in in the in mid to late seventies. He actually got fired at Virginia Tech. Uh, the whole staff got fired because. Uh, they had a kid that passed away after a extensive night of drinking. I think this is the story. Uh, they, they punished him by running him. He went back to his room and he, and he died. And so, um, it was a part of his history. That's not like one of his favorites, but it's part of his story and he couldn't find another job until he got hired. And when he went down to Alabama, he worked under bear Bryant, then got the job at temple had great success, made his way back into the NFL. And before you know it, he was, you know, crafting great quarterbacks and winning championships as a coordinator and a play caller. So that it's 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 unique, right? He's one of a kind. He really is. Well,
1: I'm gonna so, miss it because I loved his offensive style where it was just oh a yeah, a couple of little short passes here and there, but it was all about the deep ball and getting the ball downfield. So no reality. I mean, no man. ahead of his time, like you said. No risk it, no biscuit. There's no a reason risk it, no why and,
2: Andrew Luck and Peyton Manning both had 52 to 5% completion percentages their first year. Because they made him, he made them throw the ball down the field. Stats don't matter, right? I know we think they do, but they don't.
0: Brady decides to come back. Arians retires. Todd Bowles, the head coach of the Bucks. There is a huge shift in power dynamics from the NFC to the AFC, even though the Rams just won the Super Bowl, you look at the chiefs, you look at the chargers, you look at the Raiders, you look at the Broncos, Broncos, right? Just in the AFC West. And then you think, and then you think about, look at the Bengals, look at the Ravens, look at the Buffalo bills. Like the, the the conference is loaded. When you're looking at that now, as someone who was, Long time had a radio show and they've been covering the NFL forever. But also now as someone who through your radio show, you guys talk about gambling. Like it's a big part of what you do day to day. Of course. How how do you stack up the AFC?
2: I see the AFC as being cannibalistic. (laughs) I mean, they're going to eat each other by the time. This is why the NFC probably has an edge. If you were gambling for the eventual Super Bowl champion, it's going to be a rough grind. Once you get to the postseason, whether it's the wild card or whether you're the number one seed in the in the in the in the AFC, you're going to grind your way to a to to the Super Bowl. And it's not going to be easy. Whereas the NFC, it feels a little bit less treacherous. And there are teams like the Rams, just to stick on them for a second, who had to spend all the money that they're spending. They are. I mean, the cliche is they're mortgaging their future. But you know what? They had to mortgage their future because they were a team that spent so many years in in St. Louis coming back to L.A. where, let's face it, there was apathy towards football in Los Angeles. Nobody cares. There's significant entertainment options, right? My disposable dollar can go anywhere. Is it going to go to a football team that's going to leave us in a couple of years like the Raiders did and, 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 and like L.A. did before, like the Rams did before? No. Well, you know how you get them back? You win some championships. <laughs> and so you, you pay Aaron Donald $38 million or whatever the hell he's making. Like, all right, you're going to play, you know, Jalen Ramsey, whatever you're playing. All right, go ahead and do it, right? It's it's worth it. Cooper Cup, he's going to get broke, all these guys, right? You do it because you need to win as many championships as you can in this window as, as possible. Uh, Sean McVay was the perfect coach for it because he's a genius, he's a football lifer, Um, he, 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 he has the ability to create complexity, even if it's just for complexity's sake, uh, and make you think, um, and outthink yourself as a defense. And that that gives him the advantage. So I love where the the Rams are and other teams just can't stomach that, right? They just, they, they get so fiscally responsible and, and beholden to this salary cap, that they can't think about it. So the Rams still have the edge in my mind and the NFC. From the AFC, really the most intriguing one to me is the Denver Broncos because like, I, I love Russell as a, as a player. I think he's corny as hell. I think some of the things that he says, you're just like, dude, you don't really believe that. Until you until you actually talk to him. And then you're, after a while, I mean, I mean, like I, we talked to him for, I did a game last year. I talked to, we talked to him for like an hour. And after a while, I'm like, this fucker actually believes what he's saying. <laughs> <laughs> he's not—he's not just clichéing it, man. He's just—he actually believes the words that are coming out of his mouth. Like, I—I I feel blessed and honored, and you know, it could have been worse. And so I see—I need to own this moment, right? I'm like, man, he, he's selling it. I was like, all right, cool, <laughs> I believe it. And that's why he's had success. If he brings even just a little bit of that to a very talented Denver Broncos team, that. Is one of the most underrated receiving cores in, in football. Uh, they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. Not to mention Javante Williams, who I love coming out of the backfield, and uh, you know they have the talent to be to be a, a contender next year. So they're the team that might surprise all the others, uh, but we'll see.
0: How does that play in the locker room with someone when someone like Russell Wilson, who is so outwardly sort of you say corny. Uh, there's a lot of ways to sort of frame scripted, it script. You know, you want to be nice, right, It sounds rehearsed or it's just, yeah. you know, he so believes in the prophecy. And I don't mean in a religious perspective. I mean, yeah. just like in the power of positive thinking. Right. That's right. That's right. If, and that, if he, that he's balling,
2: Chad, if he's balling and he's and he's making you better. It doesn't matter what he says, man. Right. I I, I give you an example from my from my years when. Jesse Armstead, you remember Jesse Armstead? He was one of the leaders of our defense back in the day. And, um, you know, Strahan was really the catalyst as he, you know, he's got after the quarterback and all those sacks that he had. But like the the real emotional leader was Jesse Armstead. He'd get up and he'd give these like speeches before the game. And I swear to you, I couldn't understand the words that were coming out of his mouth. I couldn't. And I knew what he was trying to say, but he was doing it authentically and with this passion, and he balled every week. so we bought in, we just like, all right, whatever he said, (laughs) let's go. Uh, It's it's the other extreme, but it's the same thing, right? As long as you're a baller and, and people know that you're committed to it, then they're gonna follow you. And people follow Russell Wilson. You know, Tyler Lockett was a perfect example. We like Tyler is is the he's he's completely up. He's like reserved, he's very laid back. Tyler Lockett came on, he was saying everything that Russell was saying, like almost verbatim. It was it was like it was it was it was it was, it was my it was like melded into his mind and it, and maybe he was just regurgitating, but still he he spoke it like he believed it. And that's what happens when you have that's leadership, man. Like it's like we always try to define it, really. How do you become a great leader? It's like, be authentic and emotional and and believable, but most importantly, consistent in what you do, right? That's what Russell does. And whether you think he's corny or scripted or whatever, he's the leader and he's a great leader. And it's proven year over year over year.
0: Simon and I have had many debates on this show about Russell Wilson as a quarterback. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. I think the guy is a superstar. I think it, I think it elevates the Broncos. I think it immediately makes them contenders. Simon, please give Tiki (laughs) former professional football player, longtime member of the media studied more film than you and I could ever possibly study. Please give Simon, please give Tiki your take on Russell Wilson.
1: I do agree with you. I think he's a really good quarterback. I just think people always complain, like, how did this guy never get MVP, all this other stuff. I just never think he's been the best quarterback. And my argument against him for Denver this year is he's going to be a 34-year-old quarterback who's 5'10", 5'11", playing against behind one of the worst offensive lines in football. Like, I'm with you. they got a great offensive weapons, but I'm just nervous about Russ this year. So it is interesting you picked them. I told Chad Denver's going to be the darling of the media this year. Like, the, mm-hmm. people just like the new toy. Again, going from Drew Locke to Russell Wilson, this man could talk all that (laughs) shit he wants. I'll like Russell Wilson every day over Drew Uh Locke. He can be corny as hell. Denver guys are probably ecstatic being like, holy shit, this is what a real quarterback is. So I do think Russ is good. Do I think he's top five, top seven like he used to be? I don't know, man. There's just so many good young bloods out there, like really good, talented guys. Like, again, people have Lamar, Lamar Jackson outside their top seven. They forget how great Lamar Jackson is. It's always about... What have you done for me lately? So, Jack could be right. I could be hating too much on Russ. I just, I'm a little worried about an older guy, undersized. Historically, we've only seen him and Drew Brees and uh, Doug Flutie be this size and play this late in the career. None of those guys won championships after their 31st birthday. So it's just there's just a lot there for me to think about when I'm thinking about Russell Wilson. Is his
2: offensive line in Denver worse than his offensive line in Seattle?
1: Statistically, it's like literally almost no difference. It's all (laughs) about the weather that day, right? Exactly. But I'm with you. Like, he's losing DK and Lockett, though. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just going to be interesting what Judy can do because I'm with you. Like, I love Denver's young talent and I can't judge him because they had Drew Lockett. Like, Drew Lockett is so bad. I can't judge (laughs) Denver. So I'm with you. It's just really exciting for this. this Yeah, Portland
2: Sutton is there. Tim Patrick, who is sneaky good. Um, KJ Hamler, nobody talks about. I saw that kid play at Penn State. And they had a solution yeah. for blitzing at Penn State. Just go deep. <laughs> and, and, and they even made Clifford look good at Penn State. <laughs> so, I mean, they, they got a lot of talent. You're right. It's about protecting Russ. But if anybody can thrive without upfront protection, it's Russell Wilson. Um, the, the question will be, will he allow this offense to be diverse? This is really the only question. Or will he demand that it's about him? Cause that's what broke down in Seattle the last year and a half or so. It had to be about him. Like he wants, it means something to him to win that MVP. It really does. Really just to get votes and he hasn't gotten any. Um, if, if he allows this offense to just evolve into what it becomes, as opposed to dictating it, then I think they have a chance. Otherwise it might get a little dicey.
0: But do you think that how much of that do you think at the end of those, that time in Seattle, was just about him wanting the personal accolades or him believing so much in, his, in himself and not believing in the rest of the team with the way the talent had degraded that, yeah, he needs to have the ball. And if it's not going to be about him, he doesn't feel as comfortable with their shot to win.
2: Yeah, well, it's interesting because maybe there were three quarterbacks that I that were at my era and later that I would trust dictating offensive game plans, right? One was was Peyton Manning um, maybe Drew Brees maybe but probably not even Drew Brees because that he was synonymous with Sean Payton and I know the genius of Sean Payton's mind uh, being that he was my offensive coordinator for a few years and just historically you know how that's been um, and 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 potentially potentially Tom Brady but again I also think that was very coordinator driven so so in truth there's maybe one. There's one quarterback that I would trust can come in and say, all right, this is what we got to do, you know, because I, 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 I've done it and I can do it. And I and trust me. And it was and it was Peyton. Right. He brought basically his, his offense from Indy to Denver. Um, he executed it kind of without a coordinator. Uh, we know we know who it was and Adam Gaze who of didn't do shit. But it, it basically he had a, a all pro type season with a non entity as, as coordinator. Right. And that's because he was that guy. Russ is not, I don't think Russ is that guy. I, I think Russ is, it needs the, he needs, to, he needs to defer a little bit to the bigger picture. And he doesn't always do that.
0: This baseball season turned K's into cash and big hits into big wins with FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Just sign up, place your first bet and FanDuel will give you up to $1,000 back in free bets if you don't win. This week, my no sweat bet would be the Atlanta Braves over the dreadful Washington Nationals. I love betting with FanDuel because they've got great promotions every single day with an app that's safe and secure. There's no better place to bet America's pastime than on America's number one sportsbook. Download the FanDuel Sportsbook app and sign up using promo code FAVORITES to get started with your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Must be 21 and over and present in... Arizona, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Louisiana and permitted parishes only Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, West Virginia or Wyoming first online real money wager only refund issued as non withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt restrictions apply gambling problem call 1-800 next step or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 1-800 gambler or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado. Indiana, New Jersey, and Virginia 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. Call the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.NET in West Virginia. I'm fascinated by the idea of like someone who can who practices what they preach and whether or not that has an impact. Right. And so (laughs) you can talk about the authenticity and whether it's Russell Wilson or for you guys, Jesse Armstead for the giants, when you were playing there, it's the fourth quarter. You've been getting the shit beat out of you all game. You need to have a play on third and one fourth and one, you know, the ball is coming to you. You know, the play is for you to, plow yourself into the offensive line. Is there (laughs) anything from pregame to halftime to in that huddle that can be said to make you more successful?
2: (sighs) No, it's got to (laughs) happen. It's got to happen by trust. So I'm only, I'm going to tell you this little story and it takes a little time, but I, I just gave a presentation for the, um, new york credit union association and i had an audio visual that i used and it was you guys may remember uh the 95 yard touchdown i had against the oakland raiders on new year's eve 2005. we were backed all the way up because luke pedigree jumped offside and we were on the five yard line and in my mind i'm like all right we know what play we're gonna run They know what play we're going to run. It was, it's called 36 power. So backside guard pulls to the front side, leading fullback, tight end is over there. It's all going off tackle to the right side of our offense, right? They knew the play. Like they, they were cheating. They knew the play. They were calling it out. Power, power, power. They knew exactly where the pay was coming. The ball snapped. I stick my foot in the ground. I go up the middle of the hole, middle of, the, of the, the field. I make a safety miss. I get to the sideline and score a 95-yard touchdown. And on first blush, you're like, damn, that was a hell of a play that Tiki made, right? But the reality is that we were all on the same page. So they cheated their linebackers forgetting that the backside linebacker was on the line of scrimmage, right? So by cheating, they created a hole. And so what happened? Luke Pettigrew, my left tackle, he blocks two guys because one's coming off the edge and he blocks his guy. And the other guy coming off the edge is sweeping way behind. He has no chance. He's out of the play. Sean O'Hara, left guard pulls. Sean O'Hara smashes the D tackle. So it creates this vast gaping hole because Chris Snee blocks off his guy. All the momentum is going to the right side around the edge. Everybody's going out there. But I see this massive hole in front of me. So what do I do? I'm a smart running back. I just run through the open hole. It's right there. It's not where the play is supposed to go, oh, but screw it. I go right through the open hole. The safety's coming down too fast. I make him miss, and I and the but the corner's coming to ear hole me. I can't make him miss, but what happens? Plexico Burris ear holes him, crushes him, right? Seals it. So I have I get the edge. Plexico doesn't stop. This diva wide receiver, you know, this guy who scores a winning touchdown in the Super Bowl a couple of years later, you know what he does? He turns around and runs with me and blocks the guy in front of me. And then you know who comes from the other side? Amani Toomer. Toomer comes, fly- he's all the way on the other side of the field. He comes flying across the field and clips off the last safety. And they both escort me 95 yards down the field for a touchdown. After the five-yard penalty, Barber breaks to the second level and beyond. Tiki Barber down the sideline.
1: touchdowns in giant history. Mike, we talk about a return guy and look at the patience that he has and watch him set up these blocks. He sets up Plexico bursts right there to get the last little push and then he finishes the route. Outstanding patience, outstanding play call.
2: And so everybody says, oh, that's a great play by Tiki. You know why it worked? It's because we all knew what we were doing. We all knew how to take advantage of the situation. And so it's not about, it's not about Like want to. It's not about like oh yeah we worked harder than them. Yeah maybe that works sometimes when you got to get three uh, two yards in a cloud of dust. But when you want to make big plays happen, it's it's being above it. Like it's being like your mind has to be above like the the physicality of it, and you have to be able to think it in real time. And all of our guys did it, including me. And we had this huge play that was the first score the fourth score of that game. It was a big win for us. It got us into the postseason, and you know it it's not about like what you think it is. Go bang your head on the wall. It's about being smarter than the other team. And we were.
0: That play, the way you described it though, does make me want to grab the ball on the five yard line and run 95 <laughs> yards. for. Well, you
2: know what running backs do? You know what they do? When you get backed up, everybody thinks Tony Dorsett. Well, I guess now Derrick Henry 99 yards, man, I, I can't break it. Can I tie the record? Right. That's what every, every time I was backed
0: up, I was like, I just, I just want to go 90 plus. Let right. me go 90 plus. This must, have been, this must have been what it was like in that moment in Real Housewives of New Jersey at the end of the game <laughs> when you snared that line drive. You're, you're not, you know, it's funny, Chad, you're joking about this play. I'm not. I, I,
2: I knew it was coming to me. I just knew it was. So I, I spent most of the game playing like short seconds. Or short center, like right behind second, so you could make all the infield plays. If you had to drift into the outfield, I could I could make some of those plays. But by the end of the game, like people are like lazy; they don't really care. I'm like, dude, is anybody playing third base? Like, <laughs> where, where is everybody? You got guys littered around the outfield; they're just shooting the shit. They don't care. I'm like, dude, this is this is the last inning. Let's let's is somebody playing out here? So I ended up playing shortstop because it was a right-handed hitter. Who and it's slow pitch softball. So you know he's getting around on the ball and you know it's coming this way. And it's and it's one of those, one of those guys you can tell has swung a bat a little bit. So I know he's going to pull it. So I'm cheating just a little bit and then he rips it and it's it's a little bit behind me, but I was like, I know I can get this thing. I just, I just take off and just lay out for it. Like legit layout, but it. it wasn't like a fake layout. You know, sometimes you see these guys, a fake layout. Like, oh, I had to dive to get that one, but they really just like dove and shorten their arm length. Like I really had to lay out to get this one. And it came down in my head and everybody jumped on me. It was awesome. And, but I kind of could see it. I could like predict it. I was so on-
0: upset in that episode that you didn't play the whole game because one of my favorite things and I've got a theory of this going back for years because when I started at ESPN, the magazine in the late nineties, there was a guy, you might remember him. Um, I don't, you guys wouldn't have played against each other, but uh, his name was Alan Grant and he played at Stanford. He was a kick returner and safety at Stanford. And then no, he played in the NFL. Me. He played in the NFL for like five years. He played for Washington. I think he played for Cincinnati. So okay. he ended up working at the magazine for a little while and um, every Wednesday we'd shut down the magazine in the middle of the day and we'd rent out courts at basketball city over at Chelsea Pierce in Manhattan. And there were a lot of people that played sports working at the magazine. Allen was there uh, for a little while, Neil Reed, who, you know, played at Indiana, yep, uh, yep, yep. The, the, the player who, who got choked by Bobby Knight. Yeah. Um, there were guys who played college basketball, D1, college basketball, D2, D3. And then there were guys like who played high school. And just the difference between guys who played high school basketball and D3,
2: yeah. was
0: like extraordinary, right? And then the guys no, no. from D3 to Alan Grant, who <laughs> sometimes he didn't even want to play because he was so much better than anyone else at a sport that wasn't even his sport. Yeah, It's always fun for me to see guys who are really superior athletes like you play in a game with sort of mere mortals. <laughs> because you And like everyone is just so astonished because the way you move is just going to be so much better than yeah. everybody else. Well, is it I mean, fun I,
2: you? it is fun because I love, I love athleticism, right? I just, and it's, it's, it's what I get enamored with when I watch sports. It's, it's just great athletes. Even if I'm not a fan of that team, if I, if I see athleticism, I, I embrace it. Like for instance, Starling Marte for the Mets, like he just looks the part in a uniform. Like he's got these massive like try like deltoids and, Like his shoulders just like his his back shoulders back and he just he looks fit and lean and
1: they just move different, though. It's like the Mike Vick thing. They just that's right. The way they move, it's just different. You've never seen anyone move the way they move for some reason. Simon, that's
2: exactly right. Like you can see as soon as someone takes off or does something athletic, you're like, wow, that's 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 a cut above right there. Like God blessed him with an extra gene that, that most people didn't get. And so I, I love athleticism, and and it's funny when I when I get in a competitive situation, I my athleticism just takes over. You if I don't know what the hell I'm doing.
0: Well, it must be nice to have that, <laughs> you know, something the
1: rest of us don't.
0: Uh, before we let you go,
1: speak for yourself, Chad. I won two state titles for lacrosse. There it and is. Football that's, and true. There whoop, whoop, that's true. There it is.
0: <laughs> Listen, by the way, by the way, I should say that every time I go for a checkup. The uh, doctor or nurse, whoever is doing sort of checking the vitals, will check my pulse, uh, and my pulse rate is usually in like high forties, low fifties. Sometimes low forties. Yeah. Do you run? I'm not, but I'm, in, I'm I do a lot of the Peloton. I do a lot of rowing. I take good care of myself. I'm in very good shape. I do say so myself. And every single time, every single time, they will say to me, "Are you an athlete?" And I will look, <laughs> I will look at them and I go, "Yes." Yes, I am. I'm an athlete. Of course, when I turned 40, I had to stop playing anything that required physical pounding because I kept breaking things. So, oh, geez. you know, there you go. Like yeah, I couldn't exact. play softball because I would pull a hamstring in two seconds. Um, I mentioned at the top of the show that we are in partnership because of your relationship with Knights of d Yes. And we have a partnership with Knights of d I think it's a really cool project. It's a cool NFT that is focused on people who want to be in the gambling community. People like Jack Settlement, who's a great influencer now, who started his career at Action Network, Cynthia Freeland. Yep. Explain sort of what you're doing with those folks and, and why people want to get involved. Yeah,
2: I'm an advisor and I became one because the CEO and co-founder of my company, Thuzio, which uh, was acquired by Triller a few months ago, uh, decided to start this with this, this engaged group of young entrepreneurs in the Web3 space. and I'm a computer geek. I I was an MIS major at UVA. And so the the emerging Web3 environment, the NFTs and the crypto world that has started to take over our country, even though right now it's kind of a little uh, trepidatious, it's still exciting um, because the opportunities are there. And I think mirroring Sports and those that like to place a wager here and there is some is where the world is going. We're seeing it with the explosion of, of sports betting companies around the country. The advertising that we see on on even my network and and other sports networks out there it's it's tied together. And so I think Knights of a, a Dijin and and the Action Network is a perfect combination because the NFT world knows us, but those in the sports wagering world they don't know this and they don't understand how engaging having a night or being a night holder is in that world because there's so many poker nights we we even own a fan-controlled football team which we had our first season it's the second season of fan-controlled football we had our first season this year just missed out on the playoffs like like literally a game missed out on the playoffs a play i missed out on the playoffs um we own a soccer team with a uh, we're all going to make it a, another um, NFT project over in, uh, in England. And we do a lot of fun, engaging things through our Discord channels, uh, through our, our, our fantasy football uh, games and events that we have, a lot of in real life events as well, IRL events. And so we enjoy it. We have a lot of discussion. There's a lot of big planning that goes on. And I, I think we we add a value, a utility outside of just owning uh, the NFT, the 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 Knight NFT, which is very cool. So we're we're excited um, and thrilled to be partnering with with Action right now because it's going to expand our 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 reach and and in some ways give us a little bit more legitimacy in the gambling space, which is what we're all about.
0: Listen, if if you need action for legitimacy in the gambling space, we're all. In <laughs> but I do like look everyone who's a, who's a who owns a Knight NFT is getting an Action Pro subscription. You mentioned some uh, IRL events, some in real life events. I think those are fantastic. And the people that you're in, in business with, I love Jack Settleman. He's been on the podcast. No doubt, he's, he's great. He's friend of ours. Uh, we're super enthusiastic about what's happening with Knights of Degen. It's cool. I know like, there's a lot of conversations around NFTs right now. They're not going anywhere. Uh, you sort of have to define what is valuable to you and decide which community you want to be a part of. And for us, this is one that we decided we wanted to to get deeply involved with.
2: Well, we appreciate you. And I, I would tell people it's not just art. It's about the utility. That's the most important thing that gets lost in some of these NFT projects. Some of which fail, but it's because it's just about art. Ours is not just about the art. It's about the community that we're building. And we're glad that Action's a part of our community and we're a part of yours now.
0: Tiki, thanks for coming back on the podcast. Uh, Anytime, those are guys. such fantastic stories. I am going to go give everyone on our team a huge pep talk right now, full <laughs> of authenticity, <laughs> and then I'm going to back it up on my keyboard later today. I love it. I love I'm gonna it. I'm going to be the Russell wait. Wilson of Action Network today. <laughs> That's awesome. Tiki Barber, Tiki and Tierney, WFAN. Thanks for coming on the podcast. For Simon Hunter, for Matt Mitchell, I am Chad Millman. This has been The Favorites from the Volume Podcast Network. Download us from Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast rate, review, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, say whatever you want. Feedback is a gift. Until next time, love you.